So I would say that curiosity very often is a first step into meaninglessness after which you can make meaning. And if you're not curious, you tend to stay on the highways, not the byways. And you tend to stay within boundaries that, that your brain says you're safe and you're, you know, you're knowledgeable and so on. And you can go far, but you don't go wide. This is Choose to be Curious, a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Welcome. Come, choose to be curious with us. I was at my college reunion recently, and I was chatting with the delightful wife of a classmate, a Brit, as it happens. I hadn't known him in school, and I certainly didn't know her, but as one does in these situations, we got talking about what we're involved in, and I explained about this show and my general obsession with curiosity. My companion was gracious, enthusiastic about the subject, and asked about future shows. I rattled off my list of upcoming guests, a list of which I confess I was very proud, and she started to bounce. And last but certainly not least, I said a Brit like yourself, David Pearl, who invented something called street wisdom, a kind of facilitated learning experience that turns walking around city streets into a way for people to surface new ideas, solve problems, figure out how they want to move forward. She erupted, practically dancing <laughs> with delight. I know David. I was just about to suggest him as the perfect person for your show. <laughs> that my friends, is what we call synchronicity. Carl Jung was the first person to describe this phenomenon. You've probably experienced it too. It's a meaningful coincidence of two or more events where something other than the probability of chance is involved. Synchronicity is at the heart of street wisdom. And I would say David Pearl himself. David's an innovator in business, the arts, and for social change. His book, Wonderful, is a delicious deconstruction of the secret sauce in street wisdom. And his interviews and podcasts of the same name will, as he says, put a little more wonder in your wander. Street wisdom is but the tip of the David Pearl iceberg, but it's a pretty fabulous place to start. So welcome, David. <laughs> Welcome, Lynn. Would you always just walk around with me and do that introduction, including to my family, because you make it sound so coherent and so kind of delightful. Fantastic. I feel like I need to lie down, but I but no, let's do this. this is All, right. All right. Well, I am very excited to have this conversation with you. I think I told you when we were getting this set up that I participated in one of your virtual walks in the pandemic. And I was at PT this morning. I have a broken ankle that's recovering. And I was sitting there on the machine and I could hear your voice saying, <laughs> slow right down. And I want to start there. First of all, would you say it? Because you say it so beautifully. And then I want to talk about how you use these tuning in exercises mm -hmm. to help getting started. Because mm -hmm. I found like it was how I wanted to start my day. Mm. Mm, me too. Um, so what I often say, and it isn't, it's de deliberately annoying, I say, I want you, what I'd love you to do now is see if you can find a way to slow right down. 
And I deliberately leave it annoyingly long because the brain is like, yeah, yeah, I've done it. I got it. I'm, 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 I'm self-realized. I've, I've done courses. Come on. What is, what is the word? And, and it's basically a, you know, classic, it's a sort of pattern interrupt. And it, it's got to do, uh, it's a double thing really with, with the slowing right down. All the things in street wisdom stuff that I had to use and still use for myself. So there, everything is trial and error, mostly error. And I found the one of the very, I wanted to have a few tune-ups that would have the maximum impact in the minimum time with the minimum instruction. And slow write down is interesting because A, obviously people have understood due to the slow movement and mindfulness and so on, there is something about slowing down that helps you sense more. But I think it's, and that is a definite part of it, but I think it's, it's, it's two other things that I found over time are useful. One is, it doesn't matter how often you've done it. We have a donkey in, a, and there's no disrespect to donkeys, but there's a part of us that just goes, yeah, 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 yeah. But I did that yesterday. I've done the, I've done the you know, right. meditative thing. And I don't know if it's the same with you, Lynn, but mine just goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't want to slow down. I, I invented this thing. I know how this works. <laughs> I know how this works. So there's something about the getting, getting through that. Yep. I know about this into I'm doing this. And the second thing that I find uh, is that it is less in a funny way about being slow and more about choosing your tempo. Because there, I think, is a misunderstanding a little bit that slow is better than fast. And I don't think that is true. If you're leaving a burning building, then fast is good. Um, <laughs> the key thing, and, and uh, my friend um, Carl Honoré, who wrote, wrote a book in Praise of Slow, talks about this. It's, it's, not, really, it's not really that slow is better than good. It's, it's can you be aware enough and in a way, nice enough to yourself to choose a tempo that works for you moment to moment, mm. which I think is more important. And that's also, it's also slightly subversive, like a lot of things in street wisdom, because there are all sorts of subtle ways in which society would like you to go at its speed. Thank you very much, Lynn. Could you finish your meal along with everybody else? Could you get your homework <laughs> done on time? Could you not dawdle, Lynn, right. on the way to right. school? And, and, uh, we are subtly uh, self-limiting in that regard. And when you when you have a rule like slow right down, especially when I've done it with like busy professionals in a Manhattan rush hour, um, it, it what becomes very clear is you both violate um, the the society's expectation, but more importantly, you annoy the cop in your head that goes, "Come on, Len, David, keep up, otherwise you'll look odd." And there's a whole there's a right, whole right, right. set of stuff in there about that. So you have these, you have these prompts, these permissions to sort of mm, nice. look, look foolish, feel foolish, mm. maybe, and not be concerned about it. It's really central to the premise. And so I'm going to tell a story on myself. When I did this virtual exercise with you, it was in the midst of the pandemic. I had moved by prior plan, like at the start of the pandemic. So I was newly in a space with which I wasn't actually all that familiar. So it was okay to have to do it inside. And I found myself in my utility closet <laughs> in the walk around of the street wisdom. And I don't remember the exact question, but it was something about, I was at a point of inflection and how am I going to make these choices? And there was this kind of curled up sticker on the HVAC system. And I kind of pushed it back and it said, caution, hazard of electric shock. 
more than one disconnect switch may be required to re-energize the device for servicing. And I thought, oh my God, there it is. There it is. So, so unpack that for people who haven't been on the street wisdom experience. What was I seeing that you so meticulously through trial and error, mostly error, made possible for me to see? That's a great question. I love that, that, that vacuum cleaner. Um, I, I've had to think a lot about this because um, for some people, the synchronistic element is a bit, let's call it, I don't know, woo-woo. And so I, I don't have a, I don't insist on anyone uh, understanding this in a particular way. But what I've discovered is a few things. One is that when you, the purpose of the, the tune-ups is to tune in, really. It's a little yeah. bit log, like logging into an internet of possibilities around you. And as you would in, say, Google or any other search engine, if you don't put a search term in, nothing much happens. If you said, give me information, you'll get a lot of information. As soon as you, as soon as you ask a question, well, this, that's the purpose of it, you add intentionality to the exercise. So Lynn is now looking, she doesn't remember exactly what it is, but she's looking for something. Now, what then happens, and we all know this, is that at one level, your brain begins to make meaning, meaningful connections. That's what it's good at. The brain, cerebellum is good at that. And you could say at one level, look, quotes, all that happened. I mean, I had a very scientific dad and he would say, look, all that's happening is your brain is kind of forcing meaning. Uh, between two connecting up two things she opens the thing she's thinking it like could that's be anything. a bad thing it, it, well and there is the point the question is isn't that an amazing thing number one uh -huh. and isn't that the essence of meaning making it, you know connecting the dots is something that we as humans do we make meaning so what it sort of does at one level is it it, it it brings that unconscious meaning maker to the fore as a kind of buddy of yours because you're going, well, how do you? But there is another aspect to it. Uh, and for the, the more scientific people, just, just kind of now just hold on to a piece of furniture or something that feels <laughs> real. Because what I've noticed is that, is that like, the more you believe synchronicity is possible, that's to say, as you say, a causal connections, things that can't be explained in any physical way, are possible. The more you believe they're possible, the more they happen. I mean, the opposite is also true. If you're absolutely dead certain that they don't exist, they're not going to visit you very often. And if you, they do, you will just say they're a coincidence. But I think what this is based on is what my friend Jim Garrison, you probably know Jim, he talks, I mean, I was talking to him about it, and he was talking about how, if you think that we are connected and not, you don't just end at your skin, and that you're connected in more ways than we understand to the world, of course there will be synchronicities. How could there not be? Yeah. How, at one level, profoundly, it's all connected. And what happens on a street wisdom, I think, is that when you ask a question, you kind of orchestrate the meaning maker in you to, to see the connections, to select the connections, and to, and to make use of them for Lynn, for David, and for who mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. Do you think... Curiosity is a meaning-making enterprise? I think curiosity is pre-meaning-making, mm. in my experience, because you, you, have to, you have to kind of not know a little bit. 
So very often, I, I work a lot with executives. And I remember I was, there was one guy who was being schooled or being fingered to be the CEO. He was the COO, the operations officer of a very big engineering firm, Global. And they, the, they were concerned that he couldn't be CEO until he was more kind of interested in people. He really wasn't. He was, he was like... He was an operations guy. The operations guy. <laughs> So I said to him, and I said, he said, his nightmare is going to a cocktail party. I said, why is that? He said, well, because what I will do is I'll go and I'll see the people I need to see, and then I'll stand in the corner. I said, well, why don't you talk to other people? And he said, well, because they don't interest me. I said, okay, well, could you be curious about them? Because interest implies that you've already, it is a value judgment, essentially. It's like, you're interesting, you're not interesting. I said, but if you can be curious about people, I'm curious about why this person is so uninteresting. You then have a, a first step into the conversation. So I would say that curiosity very often is a first step into meaninglessness after which you can make meaning. And if you're not curious, you tend to stay on the highways, not the byways. And you tend to stay within boundaries that, that your brain says you're safe and you're, you know, you're knowledgeable and so on. And you can go far but you don't go wide usually. Yeah, yeah. So how do you define curiosity? What's your working definition? Oh, oh, curiosity. I think, I think it would be asking without knowing. Mm. The physical image I have of it is you have your eyes closed, your one hand out and the other on your heart so that you can't see where you're going, but you have a strong intention and you're feeling your way forward. That would be my kind of image of curiosity, I think. You're listening to Choose to be Curious, conversations about curiosity and work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and I'm joined today by David Pearl, inventor of Street Wisdom. You know, my show is called Choose to be Curious, right? Mm. And so you have a line that you talk about wonder is mm. a choice, mm. which resonated, oh, so powerfully for me. And I was thinking of that and as you were telling this story about the COO, that he needed to make a choice mm. to be even sort of interested, maybe curious, maybe eventually he gets to wonder. There's sort of a, there's a continuum there, isn't there? But what's special about wonder? Oh, what a great question. Um, I, I can only share my experience a bit. I, I think one of the things that people bounce off wonder because they think it's ecstatic and huge mm. and that it's only St. Jerome or you know, Leonardo da Vinci that have it. I, I had my own experience where I was and I mentioned this in the book, I was trapped on a bus in a busy rush hour in London, mm-hmm. <laughs> not enjoying where I was. I'm tall, and so I was cramped into a British London bus. At the top, it was smelly. There were yappy dogs. There were crying kids. It was raining. I was late. And I said to myself, um, I really don't want to be here. Uh-huh. And it was a strange moment where uh, you know, actually I do find sometimes I hear things like I tune into a channel. It's not like I'm thinking them. And it was like a voice in my head said, well, okay, David, what if I grant you your wish and you're dead? And I mean, really like dead, like 
there's endless, let's imagine it's, let's imagine, we don't know, but let's imagine it's, you know, endless nothingness. And I gave you the chance to come back to the earth, let's say to life for a minute. Would you take it? I said, sure. I said, whoa, 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 hang on. There's one condition. You have to take that minute here on the bus. And I went, yeah, I would definitely take it. Uh-huh. And the voice said, if, if this was your only minute, would you be complaining? I, no. What would you be doing? I, I thought, God, oh my God, I'd be looking, I'd be wondering that there are such things as dogs. I'd be, I'd be awed that there are children with eyes and with mucus and wasn't amazing. And I had, I had weight to my body that could feel muscular pain and so on and so forth. And it left me, it left me really considering that perhaps we, we only leave the, leave the world of wonder because we think we'll live forever. In other words, we only indulge in daily annoyances because we think we think we'd live. And we may live forever. I mean, let's not open that particular box. So I think for me, wonder has got to do with um, the everyday. It's actually available in the everyday. But as you say, it's a choice. And the choice isn't necessarily to be p- positive. And I nearly said that in American accent. I had married to an American lady. And... Um, there is this thing called positivity, which 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 is with an A and a D, <laughs> and, and the thing is about that that suggests a kind. It, it, that's a choice, uh-huh. and I'm not I'm not disrespecting it, but it often negates negativity. I, I would say it's more a choice is to choose to if you really choose to be where you are. Wonder is not far away, and it's two forms for me. Wonder is either. Or, or curiosity. Like, I wonder why humans do this. And either one pulls you into a more amicable relationship with the world around you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So put that in the context of getting lost. Mm. Because getting lost is so fundamental to the, to the street wisdom experience, <laughs> right? Yeah. So how do they... What's the interaction there? How do, what's the interplay? I think the idea about getting lost is, is for many people, walking uh, between buildings is functional. And, and I often think of buildings as our identities. And so the space is the space between our identities. And we hurry through it on our way from being a father to being a sort of son to being a, a, a professional son and so forth. And so a lot of our, a lot of our, a lot of our uh, walking is quite transactional. Wandering is is different, and it, it requires you not to be so intentional, and to um, kind of let your feet take where your head doesn't know it's going to go. And that brain doesn't like that because it doesn't like being lost. It likes to be the satly the brain. So this thing up here goes, oh, hang on, hang on, because it, it's trying to keep Lynn safe. Right? It's right. keeps keeping right. her safe. So what I often say is, being lost and feeling lost are not the same things. So I think the truth is we're all lost. Anyone who thinks they really know where they are is it needs needs to really take a deep breath because uh, the you know we're on a planet hurtling through a solar system at you know countless uh, you know unimaginable speed. All sorts of factors are in play. So I think I think we basically the idea of not being lost is an illusion. The question is, can you embrace it or not? And there are it, it, that's another choice, which is. Can you be lost and not feel lost? Mm. It's like, can you be alone and not feel lonely? 
And the more you can do that, the more I found in myself, the more I can be content being where I am. Content is the wrong word, but I got, uh, recognizing I am where I am. And I didn't expect to be here, but I kind of trust the journey. I trust the intention. The less I'm worried about whether I is, I am where I thought I was going to be. Mm, interesting. I hadn't really thought of it as a trust exercise, but it is. Yeah, I think so because a lot, you know, it goes back to this idea of safety, the 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 the, the ego, which is just the way I see it, the ego is it's the part of you that thinks it knows who you are. And it sits atop your spinal column going, Lynn does this, David does this, this is, the, and they love, you know, the, your, your mind you know, loves you and wants the best for you, but it, it thinks it knows who you are, like a kind of slightly annoying parent. And when you go, thanks, but I'm going this way, um, it's alarmed on your behalf. And if, unless we challenge those things, those alarms become our alarms and probably we pass them on to our children. And we suddenly in a road of the straight, we're in the world of straight and narrow of, I puzzle in my book. I'm curious about why people give you a ruler when you go to school, a mm -hmm. ruler called, <laughs> by the way, the same word as a, as a ruler, a monarch, a right. leader, a monarch, you know, it's like, and it's straight. And it's designed to get you straight from A to B. Nothing in the universe goes straight from A to B. But no, at school, we're going to iron out the kids. Everything must. <laughs> and we are going to get Lynn to her destination in the straightest way possible. Um, we, spoke to, we spoke to Google Maps and said, what about having a wonder button that'll get you? <sighs> you put in the destination, you put in the time, and then it takes you on a kind of unpredictable wonder. That hasn't happened yet. Um, but I think it's a daily, for me, it's a daily set of choices. To what extent am I going to go with what's fixed? And to what extent am I going to go with what's wiggly? And I think, I think we are all making that cocktail every day. Well, it is a, it is a kind of um, magical little mix of meticulous whimsy. I mean, it's mm. obviously a very carefully constructed but very lightly held experience. And mm. I think that's what's so powerful about it is that it feels light and big. And we don't often have that combination. Mm. Mm. Um, so I really, yeah, I credit you on that one. So I want to invite you to another exercise to hold things sort of lightly. <laughs> you game for my big jar wannabe analogies. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a literal big jar here. There are slips you of paper. Do. I do. Literal big jar. And this is actually the second one. The first one fell and broke. That was very sad. And I have slips of paper. I've got one for you, one for me, one for the audience. And we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on these slips. So yours is postcards. How is curiosity like postcards? Mine is a whiteboard. How is curiosity like a whiteboard? And we have one for the audience. So you want to go first or you want me to give it a go? Uh, you go first to see okay. how, how it's the, the master in, in, <laughs> uh -oh. in action. So a whiteboard, I feel like there's sort of an obvious place I could go with a whiteboard is, you know, it's a blank thing and you can write on it. But I'm going to try to do something different here. Um, so a whiteboard is a place where we choose to focus our thinking 
and we can use it to sort of open that thinking up. And I think that's the role that curiosity can play for us as well, that if we put, if we focus our thinking there, it can open that thinking. So that's what I'll say. How is curiosity like postcards? Well, Lynn, um, as a wiser person than me once said, maybe it was Einstein. No, I'm making this up. Um, (laughs) I think the thing about postcards is two things occur to me. One is is postcards deal with us in words and pictures. There's a side for the words Mm. and there's a side for the pictures. And that kind of speaks to different parts of our mind. The beautiful thing about the postcards is you cannot see both at once. And I think for me, that's a little bit like curiosity. It, it is a submitting to not knowing everything and proceeding anyway. I love it. I love it. That's wonderful. And audience, yours is headphones. Mm. How is curiosity like headphones? Let me know. Social media, hashtag analogy. Well, <laughs> David... Thank you so much for this. This has been every bit as fun as I thought it was going to be. Well, I, I can't believe that the time has flown by. And I I know I'm having uh, a good time when I'm making notes. There are some there are things that you've <laughs> oh. said. And, and I'm going to get straight on uh, uh, straight on the phone to, my, to my, the team at Street Wisdom and tell them what you said uh, about your review of us, which is it feels light and big is one of the nicest things. And it's so simple, but it's actually profound. And it's deeply takes me back to what I originally wanted to do, which is is to give people access to something which I think is big. But if we make it sound too big, people just bounce off it. So if we make it light and easy, and I really think that curiosity is what the world needs now. Um, what the world needs now. Um, and we, the more we can choose it, the more often, the better for all. You've been listening to Choose to be Curious with me, Lynn Borton, your host. You can find more on curiosity right here on this fine radio station and on my website at choosetobecurious.com. This is definitely not the first show I've done on the wonderfulness that is walking. Check out some of those episodes on my website. I hope you'll follow me here, there, and on social media at Choose to be Curious, where you can share your headphone analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, David Pearl. More on his work and street wisdom on my website. Thanks, too, to Sean Ballack for our theme music. And this is Derailed by The Depot via Blue Dot Sessions. I also hope you'll consider joining me and other Choose to be Curious fans on the Worldwide Wander coming up September 29th. So what is that? Well, the Worldwide Wander was founded almost 10 years ago by David Pearl and Street Wisdom as a global day of wandering and wondering. This year, they're creating what they call a 12-hour wanderathon on Friday, September 29th, including live-streamed walkshops from six continents that anyone can join from anywhere for free. A walkshop is a guided walking workshop led by a street wisdom facilitator. You can use your phone out on the street or inside your home. The workshop has three parts, a tune-up, series of short exercises that are designed to tune up your senses so you can tune in to the world around you. The quest, you choose a question you would like some fresh thinking on and then set off in search of insights, ideas, answers, looking for signs and signals that 
synchronicity from the streets or space you explore. And at the end, sharing. Everyone gathers back together again and shares insights, more information on my website. I hope you'll join us there and again next time here. Until then, choose to be curious.